It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So high right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama. Baby, ma. Anything's possible. Oh. Jay's back with the vengeance back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, 17 banners. Way up in the rafters, J. King, John Corrales, and Sam Jam Packard. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, it's the best way. Hey there, welcome back. This is the Lockdown Celtics Podcast, and we want to thank you for making us part of your regular routine. We're almost there. In a couple of weeks, we'll be going back to daily. Just hang with us. Really, like two weeks from today, we'll be on our daily grind again. But for now, we're getting through the last quiet bits of of the NBA offseason, we are the Rain and Jays. I'm John Corrales. I cover the team for MassLive.com. Joined by the kid, Jay King. He covers the Celtics for The Athletic. How you feeling, Jay? Feeling great. How are you feeling, man? I'm okay, man. You know, just trying to get myself through the, the summer, getting getting back into shape a little bit, trying, you know, trying to get – this is like offseason – beat writer muscle watch like go to the gym try to put on 20 pounds of muscle you know pull a dwight howard lose 20 pounds whatever it is get back on that grind yeah i gotta pull a dwight howard i i'm really because i know that once it gets to like two degrees and we're walking through like freezing milwaukee in the middle of january like there's just no gym at that point it's just comfort food and sitting in a hotel so you gotta get yourself ready for the season but for now just kind of enjoying the last couple of quiet weeks. But media day, the 30th, two weeks, and then we're off That's and running. That's the single worst day of the year. <laughs> Why? There's just too much going on. It, you go from a, a total void of information to 10-minute interviews with everybody and there are 9,000 different storylines and you can't write about them all and it's madness oh oh i can't write about them all and i'll have to (laughs) yeah it's i I get what you're saying i've never actually done a media day and the way they've set them up it's not like the media days used to be they used to watch like everybody's kind of goofy like they trot people out for these long interviews so yeah i get it i get it it's like uh starting the season at a hundred miles an hour, but, um, but we'll do it. We'll figure it out. In the meantime, this podcast will be mainly takeaways from the FIBA world cup where uh, it was a very disappointing seventh place finish for team USA. We saw Marcus smart, uh, shut down after they, they were eliminated from middle contention. We saw Kemba Walker, not play in the final game. We saw uh, Jason Tatum never come back from the ankle injury. So let's start with 
the first takeaway, like when we say now FIBA World Cup, what kind, what what's this lasting taste in your mouth, Jay? Uh, I mean, okay. It was a bad World Cup from a performance standpoint for the USA. Now, everyone's been like bending over backwards to give them excuses. They were the most talented team in the world. They had all NBA players. They had all top 100 NBA players. They had Kemba Walker, who was third team all NBA. And Chris Middleton, who was an all-star. And a lot of young guys who were very, very talented. And I, I, I get why people are giving them excuses. They were the favorites. They weren't the overwhelming favorites. To win however many straight games they would have needed to win was going to take a lot. But you look at the teams that were in the finals, it was Luis Scola yeah. in Argentina, and he's fucking 90 years old. <laughs> yeah. And it was Marcus Gasol and Ricky Rubio who are really damn good, but like those those are your teams that right. won. And the, the team France that beat him had Frank Nilakina and Evan Fournier in the backcourt. So, Fournier like, the god. I'm, I'm sick. I'm sick of I'm sick of people giving Team USA excuses. I think it is people have gone way too far to give this team a, a, a break when they I do think they deserve some criticism for losing to France and then falling behind Serbia 32 seven in the first quarter. Yeah. So I agree. I yeah, agree. But also like, like they the team obviously wasn't invincible and it's not a huge shock that they lost to somebody. So it, it goes both ways, but I, I just don't get why everyone's been bending over backwards to try to act like this was expected. And this team was like totally overmatched when really they were the ones with the most talent. They, they, they were top to bottom, the best, most talented team in the tournament. Uh, they had a, what, seven point lead with, or was it a five-point lead with seven minutes left, something like that, against France, where that should have been like the – they should have put that away. And France turned around and lost to – were they lose to Spain or Argentina? They lost to Argentina. So it's not like they were invincible. Now, obviously, France, they played awesome. Like Fournier was just – he was like Steph Curry with some of the shots that he was hitting. So there was some of that going on. But – my big takeaway, and I wrote about this on MassLive.com, that team, that Team USA, had some reminiscent qualities of last year's Celtics team. Not with the Kyrie stuff, not with that chemistry stuff or all that. What, what really I find was comparable was that aside from like Kemba, who was carrying the team, maybe Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, there was no like hierarchy there was no like okay here's our star like if they had just gotten one of the nba superstars like if, if they just had like pick one i don't know james harden i mean obviously he's, he's mvp candidate but it's not like they needed a team full of those guys they just needed one to have like okay here's our guy when france was going on their run here's our guy he's gonna go do it because what happened was donovan mitchell was having the superstar type game and Kemba was like, well, I've been the guy carrying us. 
I've got to find my offense to finish this off. And it kind of took away touches from Donovan Mitchell down the stretch. And it's, it's not that I blame Kemba. It's that, of course, he's going to go do that. I would have done the same thing because he's been, he'd been playing well. He's been frustrated. But without that number one, that number two, that number three, like this is the list of, this is the hierarchy of our guys that's going to be the, um, this is where the, the, the offense is going to run through. And everybody else is kind of like setting picks and running actions to get some overflow, but to get those guys open. I think that's what they were missing the most. And without the uh, mentality of always moving, always setting picks, and letting the flow of the game kind of determine who becomes that, if, if you're not going to do that 100%, then you need the superstars. If you're, if you're not going to have the superstars, you've got to commit – Fully, 100% to ball movement, screens, all of that stuff. And that's why when I wrote it, I was looking ahead to this coming season and saying that if the Celtics this upcoming season don't kind of figure that out as well, we're going to have some of the same problems with this upcoming Boston Celtics team that guys are going to like be fighting, jockeying position for who's going to take the shots, the, those key possessions. If if it's not Kemba, then then who's second? So that that was my big kind of takeaway and and trying to like look forward to this Celtic season. I've always been a proponent that the open guy should take the shot. Yeah, <laughs> who, who, whoever that may be. Um, obviously, I think they'll run a lot of offense through Kemba. I think they'll run offense sometimes through Gordon Hayward, through Jason Tatum in key situations. It'll be different without having Al Horford because. Like, are you running pick and rolls with wings? Like, Kemba's coming off the screen and Tatum's setting it? Because that'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty creative. That'd be putting your two best scorers in tandem and having them maybe putting other teams in really tough situations. So I'm very interested to see what Stevens does with the offense this year. It's obviously going to be different without Horford after all he did and the different ways he did it. And Cantor just doesn't play the same. He's never going to stretch the court to the three. He's never going to be a pick-and-pop type guy, even though he's obviously working on it this summer. That's just not his game. He's inside. He's going to crash the glass. He's going to help the Celtics in different ways. But they're going to need to find a new identity down the stretch. Did anything you saw in the World Cup kind of change? what you thought about the Celtics upcoming season? Um, I don't... Well, I tell you what. I'm going to answer that after the break. We'll take a break. We're going to come back and we'll answer that uh, next on the Locked On Celtics podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and 
Listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan, rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet, wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Before the break, I was asked by Jay King, did I see anything that changed what I thought about this upcoming Celtics season? Um, and I, I did see some things. Well, as an extension of what I was saying before, I, I was kind of struck by like, I, I I really want to see who steps up and becomes the second option. Like Kemba's the guy. We don't know what Gordon Hayward's going to be. I saw in the World Cup Jason Tatum driving, not losing the ball, and being able to finish when he drives to the hoop. Either I mean, by, he shot like 32%. Well, I mean, well, like, when I say finish, like, get a shot off, drop drop the ball off and, and make a pass, or, like, I shouldn't have said finish. That's wrong. But able to, <laughs> because finishing implies that he made a basket. What I'm saying is finish, finish off the, what he was trying to do when, he had been losing the ball. Do you follow what I'm trying to say? I said it poorly, but what I'm saying is I saw him driving. I saw him holding on to the ball and then getting a shot or making a pass or getting to the free throw line. Not, he was making plays. He was making plays. So he needs to actually make shots in those situations. And I, I'm willing to wait to see if that carries over, first of all, if that carries over. Second of all, if the FIBA officiating that allowed some of that contact that that he wouldn't that he got frustrated with and maybe led to some weird attempts, like we talked about this in the podcast, we were like, he needs to like be more aggressive. I want to see if NBA officiating kind of changes whether he gets to the foul line a little bit more. Uh, whether it gets some more and one opportunities or stuff like that. So that's the first thing that I saw. The second thing that I saw was another thing that we've talked about was Jalen Brown's ability to play and defend the four to some degree uh, and running pick and rolls with Jalen. It just, it did kind of make you think if he's willing to be a pick setter and play off of that and kind of be a pick and pop guy, then you 
it does add like a little different dynamic. So I mean, those those are two things that stood out as possible new elements to the Celtics offense and and some defensively with Jalen this upcoming season. Yeah, I think Tatum's evolution as a playmaker is going to be one of the major areas that kind of defines what the Celtics are both now and in the future because the way he played last season needs tweaking. And obviously there was a lot of talk about him settling for mid-range jumpers and the regression from three, even though he was still one of the better three-point shooters on the team. But I think if you put him in situations where he's going downhill, which Team USA did sometimes, especially in the game where he ended up getting injured, but he was going downhill. He was beating big men off the bounce, and he was making plays. And I think if you put him in situations like that, it stops the a lot of the mid-range jumpers because he's just attacking differently. And it's something that they didn't often use him for last year. Um, but his assists saw a big uptick over the second half of last season. And I think his passing will be a skill that they lean on more and more in the coming years. And I think it's really important for them because like I said, they don't have Horford as a playmaking hub anymore. They don't have the Kyrie Irving Horford picking pop to fall back on when things get bad and Tatum, like he's, I think capable of handling more responsibilities in that way. And I think it'll be important. Like you look at the Celtics roster, one potential issue. They don't have a ton of three point shooters. Tatum is their, well, Tice is their best returning three point shooter by percentage, but <laughs> obviously he's a low, right. low usage guy. Tatum was 37.3% last year. Kemba was 35.6, which is a long cry from what Kyrie Irving was last year and what Kyrie Irving has been for his career. They don't have those knockdown shooters. They don't have a ton of great passers. So for them, Tatum has to be, I think, sort of both of that for them. He needs to be one of those passers. And I think Gordon Hayward's playmaking will be very big for them. Um, and I think they'll lean on that more than they did last season too. But those are two issues that when you look at the roster, it's like they really don't have a ton of passing. They don't have a ton of shooting. And I think they can have a really good offense still. But, like, there will be a lot of pressure on their five perimeter guys in Tatum, Hayward, Kemba, Smart, and Jalen Brown. Just a ton of pressure on those guys to create opportunities for everybody all the time. Yeah, I think the best passers on the team are probably Marcus Smart and Gordon Hayward. Um, I mean, Kemba will get his assist, but he's not, like, he's not that level of passer. Um, that none of these big guys are tremendous passers. Although someday I do believe that Robert Williams will will act. That'll be a, an element in his game. He he really showed some pretty nice passing over summer league, which is something that I hope develops over time. I'm not gonna go too crazy over it now, but at his best, if he reaches his absolute ceiling, he'll be making some plays and getting a few assists a game out of, out of the post because he did see, he did see some things well, but as far as rotation guys, um, I'm, I'm looking at the bigs. I'm just trying to think of who like Grant Williams might be the best passing big that they have on the team. 
So they're they're really gonna have to work hard to to make those plays. So yeah, to your point, getting Tatum out there and if Tatum can control the ball like he did and get to the next level of his drives with the ball still in his hands, that's gonna be a a big deal. So uh but there it, it there's a lot for this team to figure out. You know, Jay, I feel like last year was so bad and so disappointing for so many people that this year's team right now, it we're just glossing over all of the potential pitfalls because we like these rookies. Like, we like Kemba. All of these guys are, like, all of these players are, are likable Cantor is this fun, gregarious, like get in the wrestling ring, kind of make fun of himself. Like all of these guys are likable. We don't want to think about like, oh God, really? They don't have a lot of passing and they might not have a ton of shooting. And what the hell is their big man rotation anyway? So I don't think we're glossing over. I think the questions are fairly obvious. They are, but last year, the expectations were high. The expectations were Eastern Conference championship and get to the title game, title series. And that didn't work out. But this year, like the questions are obvious. The depth isn't great. The front court rotation could be pretty bad, especially defensively. If Cantor plays a lot of the minutes, the they're young in a lot of areas. Like they have, uh, they will have a lot on, their five best players who are all guards and wings. <laughs> like, so I think this year it's not that we're glossing over things. It's more just the potential issues are pretty obvious. I guess I, I feel like just people don't want to hear of the potential issues uh, because I, I still say like, because last year was so disappointing, I think people have maybe, maybe it's just a, a, the expectations thing because the expectations were so high last year, the issues are just so disappointing. The fact that this year people are like, whatever, like we know there's no Horford. We know Kyrie and all that stuff. We know that we're kind of, we know all this stuff. I think people might just not care as much or they just don't, they don't care to hear it. I don't know. There are, there are a fair amount of issues with this team. Uh, There's a ton of talent though. I mean, they, they still have a lot of good players, but, they do have a lot of things to figure out. So much of this, I think, if Gordon Hayward comes back and is like 80 or 90% of what he was in Utah, I think that's, that fixes a bunch. And then you can, then if you throw in some Tatum progression, then, then some, some of these answers start to become more obvious. Why don't we take a break? We're going to come back. We'll continue this conversation when we come back on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Uh, but first, if you can't find a workout that keeps you engaged, then get a Peloton. Peloton is an immersive cardio experience with real-time features that will always keep you coming back. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home. Go to OnePeloton.com. Use promo code LOCKED to get started.
you are Locked On Celtics, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Guys, if you're on your way to work, whatever you're wearing, it's not as good as Mack Weldon. It's better than whatever you're wearing right now for 20% off your first order. Visit MacWeldon.com, enter promo code Locked On. Back to our conversation about this upcoming season uh, and whatever lessons we've learned from Team USA. Like I was saying before, Jay, if, if let me ask you this. If Gordon Hayward does come back and he's 80, let's say 85%, whatever number you want to make up of who he was in Utah, does that make him the second best player on the team? Probably. Do you think that yeah. fixes some of the things that I was talking about earlier? Do you think that snaps some rolls into better focus? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 okay. Him getting back to Gordon Hayward still leaves them with a lot of things to figure out. Sure. Like, their front court could still be really bad. Their bench could still lack depth. They could have stretch power forwards who can't shoot, whether it's Shemi Ojale or Grant Williams. They could have, like, big men who get ripped up in the pick and roll. They could have, they could be relying on rookies who aren't quite ready. And so, yes, it, it, it would go a long way. Uh, it doesn't cure everything, though. And I think, like I said, the the passing thing is a big deal, and Hayward's passing is a big deal, and I think they should run a lot of offense through him. I think one of the lineups that's kind of most intriguing is Hayward with the second unit and having him with five switchy dudes, whether it's Marcus Smart, Ojale, Grant Williams, Daniel Tice, um, Romeo Lankford even like just throw five switchy dudes out there and have a super versatile defense, have big guards and small big men and just try to be more athletic than dudes. And I think Hayward can make those pop. And I think Hayward can, can make those work. And I think Hayward by the end of last season, obviously the, the buck series kind of left that impression in people's heads, but he was really, really efficient over the last couple of months of last season and played really well in the Pacers series. So I, th- I think there's a lot of, there were a lot of promising developments over the latter half of last season. I think with, with more opportunities, you could see him not just be efficient, but be more productive and see his usage rate climb again and kind of see him be more of a playmaker like, like he was when he was an all-star see that's the biggest like i still right now am feeling like either gordon or jalen brown needs to come off the bench i don't know what what that really means for the lineup i don't know if that's possible considering the options at the four but i really feel like right now it'd be best for this team if they could find a a starting lineup that allows one of those guys to come off the bench and or or maybe maybe it's not even a maybe Jalen starts at the four like we said we were talking about him playing the four earlier and they find another option at around the perimeter 
but that would require what starting mark is smart. And then I, I'm not sure I, that's exactly how I want to go with it. But I, I, I feel like Gordon Hayward coming off the bench was really good last year. He can still play 33, 35 minutes if he's up for it. Uh, and if he's playing well enough by doing that, you can still close with the, you know, a Kemba Hayward smart. I mean, a Kemba Hayward uh, Brown and Tatum plus one lineup, whether a big or you want to go small, I think you can still do that. But I think just Gordon Hayward coming off the bench and being that primary playmaker, even if it's like just midway through the first quarter, I, I I like that idea right now. Who knows what training camp's going to do and how things are going to emerge. Um, and it's still not my best-case scenario lineup, but... Uh, do the Celtics have, like, who's their backup point guard? I, I say it's Marcus Hayward, Smart. Like, even if Hayward starts, I think you have to play Smart or Hayward. Like, whoever starts, I don't think really matters. But when you play a second unit, I think you have to have at least one of those guys on the court. And I think Tatum, you could use him as a primary playmaker in the second unit too. But, like, Brad Wanamaker was not good enough to crack the rotation last year. Brad Stevens at least didn't think Brad Wanamaker was good enough to crack the rotation last year. Now he's really their only backup point guard. Carson Edwards isn't a point guard. He's a scorer. And... So I think either Hayward, Smart, like those guys are going to have a lot of playmaking opportunities. I don't think Smart, like when Smart's your point guard, you lack the dynamic play. Like he he can really run a pick and roll. He can, he's really smart. He can run an offense. But I think, I just think you need more, playmakers on the court more ball handlers on the court when he's out there because he's not the type of guy who can like break down a switch and he's not the type of guy who can just like go and crack into the middle of the defense he just doesn't have that type of explosiveness that type of burst so i do think you need someone else in there a lot of the time when he's out there um either that or you can just play like all defense lineups with like smart ojale grant williams Tice and uh, Jalen, you know, like you could do that too, but I don't know. As you look at the roster, like that's one thing that stands out is that the backup point guard may be a starting wing and Stevens will have to kind of mold his rotations to, to make sure that when Kemba's off the court, the Celtics have enough ball handling and playmaking. Yeah, two guys that we haven't talked about much, uh, Wanamaker and Ojale. I'm not sure exactly how much impact they'll have this year, but they have the potential to make a big impact. Like if Wanamaker can come in and be a capable backup point guard, that changes a lot about how other guys can be used. If Shemi Ojale can come in and start hitting threes, like if Shemi Ojale comes in and just hits league average if he hits like 34 percent 35 percent from three then that changes a ton of what can be done because now he's out there he's strong he's your three and d forward 
that helps a lot. And I've been looking at Grant Williams as a guy that's going to play that role because after a couple of years of Ojale, just not sure if he's going to be able to, to break through. He might. He's very capable. We've seen him shoot. He hits him in practice. He's got decent form. If he can finally start hitting those in the NBA, then that that changes the dynamic of this team a lot. So we'll uh, we'll see. There's <laughs> there are all these conversations, and then two weeks two weeks of training camp and, and preseason, and all of a sudden a lot of things will change. So we'll continue to find things to talk about as the next couple of quiet weeks roll through, and then after that. Media Day on September 30th and training camp opens and we're back to our daily grind. So subscribe to the Lockdown Celtics podcast. If this is your first time listening, thank you. Go subscribe and get this podcast delivered to you wherever podcasts exist, on your device, however it is, in your car. You can ask your smart device to play podcasts, then say Lockdown Celtics. Uh, And if you are on Apple, give us that five-star rating. Give us a good written review because that helps us rise in the rankings. So do that and share the podcast. Tell everybody to listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, we talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.